I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Hello, hello. This is the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. And today I have another amazing author to share with you. And her name is Lily Lamott. And we are going to be talking about Chinese New Year and her cute children's book. And, um, you know, as you know, the, chil- the Chinese New Year just passed. Uh, and so we're, we're um, or we might still be in it. We'll, I'll get clarification on that. I have lots of questions. But before uh, I bring Lily on, I'll give you a little bit of history. And um, she is, uh, she graduated from uh, Hamline's Writing for Children and Young Adults program with an MFA. And uh, when she isn't writing, she's cooking up new recipes, exploring new crafts, and supporting her library system as a KCLS Foundation board member. And she's also the author of the graphic novels, Measuring Up and Unhappy Camper. Uh, Measuring Up was her first graphic novel. It's been nominated for lots of awards. And now we're going to be talking about her newest children's book, Chloe's Lunar New Year, which I have a copy and it's so colorful. And I love the, anim- uh, the not animation, it would be illustrations. And uh, so let's bring on Lily. So welcome to the podcast, Lily. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just so happy to be here. Yes, I'm so happy to have you. And before we dive in, to all the things Chinese New Year and your books, um, I, have a, I have an icebreaker for you. Great. And that is, what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Well, during the pandemic, I jumped on the sourdough train, like so many people. And as you know, when you have a sourdough, you have to constantly refresh it. And so you end up with this dough that you need to do something with. And I discovered that one of the funnest and tastiest ways to uh, use that dough is to make pizzelles. So my husband's mother is Sicilian heritage. And mm-hmm. there in Sicily, there's a cookie called pizzelle. And um, I can show you this iron, although of course your listeners won't be able to see it. But here it is. I have okay. a lighter version. Wow. And then you see these beautiful patterns on the inside. Yeah, they're like flowers, and um, it's a very, very fancy waffle maker. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it looks like. Right. The so the pizzas are very thin and crispy, and normally they are sweet, but I'm a very much a savory person, and so I actually put a pat of butter on it, and maybe a little bit of maple syrup, so it turned in kind of like a, um, a very thin, crispy pancake. <laughs> Yes, I've had those. Um, they're very good because I have Italian descent and uh, they're very, very delicious. Um, I've made sour dough cookies before, um, so they're not as sweet. So um, that's very interesting. It's the first, it's the first uh, pizzelle that I've had on the show. So thank you for sharing oh. that. <laughs> and, um, and you are a mom and you've got some, you've got two kids. How old are they currently? My daughter is currently in med school, very proud of her. 
And then my son is a sophomore at university and he's pursuing theater arts. So someday I hope to see him on the stage. Yes. And then also in the, you know, you have a doctor in the, in the, uh, <laughs> in the family. Um, That's right. In case yeah. someone, when someone says <clears throat> to my son, break a leg and then it actually happens, she'll be there. That's great. I mean, it's always handy. We have a nurse in the family, so it's very handy to at least bounce questions off. So, um, well, that's exciting. Um, okay, well, let's dive in. So I, Chinese New Year. So is it still going or how long does it last? I, I used to know this and I don't. Well, <clears throat> Lunar New Year began this on Sunday, but it's uh, it's occasion where families will gather. And so they are, sometimes, you know, they're traveling from long distances, especially today when families are scattered, you know, for work or other circumstances. And so they usually will be there for at least a week, you know, maybe longer if they can swing it. And it's basically so much festivities, gatherings, food, of course, lots of feasting. And really a chance for families to gather and reconnect after, you know, a long, perhaps a year away. It's a lot like our Thanksgiving and our December holidays. Okay. In that, that way. That makes sense. And so lunar, you call it Lunar New Year's. Is it for, it's not obviously just a Chinese uh, culture. It's all Asian countries or like my sister is a principal at a Vietnam predominantly it's a very heavy Vietnamese population and they have tonight uh, a dragon festival and it's very colorful and they're going to do it's like a whole thing and so I'm assuming that is linked with Lunar New Year right so a lot of Asian countries celebrate Lunar New Year okay uh so, for example, in Taiwan, this is the year of the rabbit, but in Vietnam, it's the year of the cat, and Korea has its own Lunar New Year traditions, too, and that's one of the reasons why I actually wrote Chloe's Lunar New Year, because a lot of our books feature Chinese New, Chinese New Year, which is wonderful, but, uh, you know, it's nice to also have books for kids to learn about other Asian countries' traditions. Absolutely, because everyone's got different. I was raised Jewish. My dad is Catholic. I um, uh, was married to a Catholic. So it, there's lots of different uh, holidays and things for everyone's culture. And so um, it's interesting because like our New Year, the Jewish New Year is Rosh Hashanah which is a whole, like, like happens like randomly in the year, <laughs> you know? So, you know, when you hear happy new year, you're like, happy new year. It's like, it's not a new year. It's like, it is, it's just the Jewish new year. So every, I think it's fascinating. And so to be able to educate, especially children about these things in their, in a way that they can understand it is important because it, at least it helps them, you know, feel like they can join in too. Right. And I chose to write about, include a lot of food in the book because, you know, food is delicious and fun. And it's also a way for all of us to experience another culture too. You know, um, where I used to live within a few blocks, I had Thai restaurants, 
uh, Vietnamese restaurants, Mexican, of course, Italian. There's a Greek place. There was a Persian place and Indian. And so basically I could experience all these other cultures without actually needing to get on the plane. Right, right. And food is also the like number one, like universal language, right? You you don't have to speak the same language, but you bring food and you can connect that way, you know? Yes. So it's, it's interesting. And so you have measuring up and now you have this one and you said you, you incorporate a lot of food. Is that your, your overall theme when you go to write? It has been for the last, these last three books. I'm working on a new one and it is actually set at a cafe. So yeah. <laughs> I'm continuing. <laughs> well, see, so um, let's talk about the book a little bit. It's so cute. And it it's, is it the same character as the person in Measuring Up? Do you bring your characters along or are they all different? They're all different. In this book, well, in Measuring Up, Cece is an only child. And in Chloe's Lunar New Year, Chloe has a little brother, Noah, that she loves and is very sweet too. Okay. And um, so with the Chloe's New Year, um, is this for a younger, more younger audience? Because Measuring Up is like a young adult uh, graphic novel, right? So Measuring Up is actually for middle grade, which right. is nine to 12 year olds. And Chloe's Lunar New Year is a picture book, which is for, I guess, five to eight. Although, you know, you can read picture books to three-year-olds. Just don't let them handle it because they might tear it, right? Yeah. So <laughs> that three-year-old energy. Yeah, right. And so in Chloe's um, Lunar, Lunar New Year, um, she, she brings up like a feast and her family, like with her family. And so what is the typical dishes that you would see in that type of celebration? Well, definitely the hot pot. I remember when I was growing up, when we did have these celebrations, you know, even for like Thanksgiving, the hot pot would come out. And I love it because you get to basically put in all your favorite foods into this big pot of soup and it's also communal because it sits on the table and the ingredients are actually added in during the meal and then everyone ladles some soup and some of the, uh, the ingredients into their individual bowls and then you add a few more ingredients and then finally all the broth is used up and then you know your hot pot's done um, oh, oh yeah wow. so you eat the soup you eat the broth, but while the other stuff stays in it, and then you eat what's left. No, no, you you're getting broth and oh, yeah. right all the ingredients at the same time. Hot pot, right, right. But as ingredients get used up, you will actually throw more ingredients into the pot. So it's actually cooking on your table at the same time that you're eating out of it. Okay, okay. And so, do you personally do anything special for Lunar New Year with your family? This year, we went down to visit my sister. I had a book event down in California and my parents came. We had a very early reunion dinner, which is actually a Taiwanese tradition. So the night before Lunar New Year begins, which is Lunar New Year's Eve, 
the families all get together and they have what's called reunion dinner. And that's basically kind of um, kicking off the whole holiday with this giant feast and uh, lots of good food, laughing, talking, catching up. So what so we did do, a, yeah. We'll keep going, yeah. Oh no, so I was just say we, we actually did a early reunion dinner because I had to go to my book event on Saturday. Oh, got it, got it, got it. So obviously food is a, is a major theme. And so do, as a, as a child, did you have a love for food and cooking yourself? My mom made all the food and uh, both my parents worked very long hours. So meals were very simple, you know, uh, some rice, some sort of vegetable and little bit of meat. So not nothing fancy. It wasn't until I went away to college and experienced a cafeteria. You know, the- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> overwhelming, right? <laughs> overwhelming. There were so many foods I had never seen before or actually had. Wow. I um yeah. So my eyes were really open, and then when I graduated from college, one of the things I wanted to do was learn to cook. And at one point. I had an entire bookcase of just cookbook. Wow. But through the years, as I moved, I kind of started losing all of them. So <clears throat> I'm at the point where I'm starting to uh, collect cookbooks again. Yeah, I have so many, but I don't use them. I like the ones that have meal prep and the things that you can cook in bulk because it's so hard and you don't want to give your kids the brown diet, which is basically a <laughs> nugget or pasta or bread. <laughs> you want to bring in some color. Um, but food is just, I learned how to cook at a later age as well, because my dad always did the cooking, but we were always on the go as kids. Cause we were always do going from soccer field to soccer field. And like, we had a lot. So my parents kept us very busy basically to keep us out of trouble, I assume. Um, and so when I went to college, just like you, I relied on the cafeteria because I didn't know how to cook and we didn't really have kitchens or some of, you know, not that at first. And, uh, then trying to survive without learning how to cook eventually with kids, it's like, I have to learn how to cook something other than ramen or, you know, do takeout. So, <laughs> You know, so my five-year-old really likes to help in the kitchen. He loves to, he loves it. He's always the first to help. The other ones I'll ask and they'll kind of help. And I'm thinking, well, if you help me, maybe you'll eat it. (laughs) He's always in the kitchen. So I really want to encourage it because kids, excuse me, is, um, I think it's a really, it's a life skill that we need to know. Definitely. With your books and having children be in the kitchen and they also have these you know I'm sure you've seen these cooking shows with kids featured like I think it's so cute and so fun because that's going to set them up later right so actually measuring up is about a girl Cece who immigrates to the U.S. from Taiwan and she loves her grandmother really misses her so she wants to bring her grandmother to the to visit for her 70th birthday which is a big deal and to get the money, she enters a kids' cooking contest. So mm-hmm. the whole book is kids making dishes. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, they do sometimes, my kids will do like a mock cooking show, and it's hilarious to listen to them <laughs> talk and, uh, and, and talk about it. And there's this one that's like, is it cake? 
and it's these cake decorators and artists that make things look like items and you have to guess. And so mm -hmm. they love that show. Um, and speaking of cake, you have a recipe in Chloe's Lunar New Year for a uh, fortune cookie cake or a fortune cake. What exactly is that? And what's the significance behind the re recipe? So during Lunar New Year, we want to always welcome all the good fortune and luck that we can, you know, get because sure we all need it. <laughs> we all need it. <laughs> exactly. So one of the dishes is fortune cake. And when the cake is ready, the top splits open. So it looks like a flower or a smile. And so it is just a very joyous cake in that way. And that's why uh, it's called fortune cake. It uh, reminds me a little bit of like an English sticky toffee cake. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And so does she make this cake in the book? I believe that her auntie brings it to the feast. So. Awesome. Oh, so I, I do have a, um, I have a cooking video on my website, lilylamott.com. Okay. And my daughter and I at Thanksgiving this past year made fortune cake. So if anyone's interested, go and go to my website and watch the video. Absolutely. I think that's great. Um, always trying to add new things is it's always fun and if you always you know holiday season you got to bring something you know you don't want to always just I like to try and bring something I don't like to go and like buy something so you want to keep it interesting and fresh so uh, I'll go I'll definitely go yes. check that out so with with um this this book what kind of lessons and um takeaways are you hoping that readers will get from Chloe's Lunar New Year a couple of things it would be wonderful if the readers read it and they either see themselves in the book because sometimes uh, that's not, there aren't books for kids who look like Chloe and Noah. I've had parents come to my book events and they are so thankful. They're like, oh, this is just like my family. And they're like, so they, <clears throat> and then um, also they, uh, you know, kids who are not Taiwanese, they can read the book and see what at least some little part of Taiwanese culture. And if they make the recipe in the book for fortune cake, they can actually enter uh, Taiwanese culture by making it and eating it and experiencing it. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is you know, sometimes people are have passed you know, loved ones. And one of the things is that as long as we hold them close in our heart, they're never gone. Right. And so this is a good way to show and help them understand that as well. Do you feel like you as a child would have loved to have a book like this for you to learn and, and to, um, to relate to? Yes. You know, as a kid growing up, I would watch shows like The Brady Bunch, which were very fun. But I always wondered why my family was so different from what I saw on TV and all the different shows that you could watch back then. So having something like this, I think would have made me feel like, oh, 
there are other families just like mine. Right. Um, my family isn't as weird as I thought they are. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're all quirky. But I guess that's like, yes, because as a kid, <clears throat> you only know really what you see and hear and do in your house. Like we see others, but we don't always see how they live. I remember um, I had a really good friend. She was a Vietnamese culture. Uh, her parents were Vietnam. And we went over and I knew I've known her for my whole life. And we played soccer together. We we're in class together. She's now a doctor. Um, her name's Kim. She's shout out if you're if you're listening. But um, I went to her house and her mom was cooking. And I remember we went in and she was getting her snack for after school. And it was rice, but it was pink. <laughs> it was, <laughs> or I think, or maybe blue, or maybe she did two batches, but it was pink, or it was, I think it was pink, pink rice. And I was like did you dye the white rice pink? And then when you ate it, it was like sweeter. And it was mm. just, I can't remember what it was called, but I was just like, whoa, this is amazing. And she's like, oh, it's da, 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 like all the time. And I was like, this is not anything I would have ever had as a after school snack. And so it was really cool to see how they like interacted and they didn't speak English to each other. They all spoke English, but they all spoke in Vietnamese. And so listening to her just turn Vietnamese on and start talking to her parents. And I was like, wait, huh? Like it was very <laughs> eye-opening and you would hear like, okay, so they don't speak English in their house. They speak their native tongue, but she's American. So it was very interesting. It, it opened my eyes. And so then, you know, as you get older, you, you experience that. So um, I think it's very, very cool that you're bringing in kids that are of Asian culture that, cause I'm sure that's very difficult. I mean, as a white woman, I, I can't relate that way, but I could imagine that seeing like a Brady bunch or partridge family, it's, it's very <laughs> and, you know, cheesy as well. No one's, no one's the Brady bunch, <laughs> but like they all sing, they all dance, they all do the things. Right. Um, right. Very perfection. And it's just like, that doesn't seem like it doesn't match up. So it could be very confusing or also very um, isolating. Exactly. And it's wonderful that you had a friend who invited you to her house. So you actually got to enter into her world that way. Yeah, it was fine. Cause we, I, she lived just down the street and I was just, I just went over there at one point one day and uh, I was like, oh, it's interesting. It was just very interesting. It was, that was, I think the first experience I ever had with like a different type of food and culture that was outside of other than Jewish religion. Cause that's different types of food with Passover and, and things like that. But, um, it was very fun and interesting to see. Um, and so I've interviewed other authors that bring in their culture to their characters. Um, I interviewed someone that brought in, it was a Cinderella story, but she's Puerto Rican and she's in a high school and it's very, uh, modern, uh, it, it was this, uh, series that Disney was doing with all the different fairy tales and they were creating a Puerto Rican Cinderella, so to speak, but I think her name was Cindy. And she, again, was trying to bring more of her culture so then others could relate. So it's not all very white. <laughs> and I don't go into like, you know, race or anything, but <clears throat> I mean, that's predominantly what used to be like Brady Bunch and all that kind of stuff. And I love that it's now evolving into 
you know, all different types. Right. Like, um, I mean, Encanto was wonderful film and Coco. It was just, they were great films, right? Fantastic films. I think um, Coco, I think was one of the first ones that came out. And I remember my kids were having a hard time understanding because they speak a lot of Spanish, but now they're in school and they speak, they take a Spanish class. And so it's integrated. And now there's a lot of dual language programs and, and things like that. I don't think that that was even something we had um, growing up. No, not at all. It was basically either you learn the language very quickly or you're just sitting in class confused, not knowing what's going on. Or I think that's what ESL was for, like special education, where they would, I think, is when they would go and learn English. Right. And, I didn't. We There was no ESL when I was growing up. Oh, OK. There's There was ESL at, at my schools and now it's dual language. And they. I mean, now you don't even sit in desks like you sit at tables and groups and you got bouncy <laughs> houses and chairs and it's yeah. very, very busy when you walk into a child like a children's <laughs> thing. But um, which is my sisters are principal and my whole family is in education. And I have like, I don't know how you guys could teach with all the things. But back then, just like you said, a desk. Mm -hmm. Right. So, That's right. Uh, right. So it's, it's very, I love the fact that you also drew a book uh, or you have a picture book and um, it's kids like to learn and look at photos. I mean, everyone likes to look at pictures, but um, it's just simplifies it more. Right. And I do want to give a shout out to my illustrator, Michelle Lee, because her illustrations are just so heartwarming. And um, if you look at the end papers at the beginning of the book, she said that the photos, the photo album photos in it are actually based on her own family photos. She just um, drew, took the photos and then put Chloe's face on it. Yeah. And also, this is so interesting. At the front of the book, Chloe and Noah are very young. And then if you look at the end paper, the photos there, now Chloe and Noah are um, at the age of the book. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. It's a very, it's very bright and colorful. It's a very lovely book. I really encourage my listeners to go and grab it and and let their kids look at it or even have it on the coffee table. I like to, to theme it up. Like, so now I have, like, this is the first time actually, this is very different book than the, some that I've had. And uh, so I like to cycle through and, and it's nice to keep these books. My kids get very excited when I get, I get a, probably a new book every day from UPS or mail because I interview very, a lot of authors and they always get so excited about opening up the package because they never know because I never know because you guys uh, my team gets you guys on and everything and so when I get it I get very excited I remember when I opened yours I was like oh super cool we're gonna get to talk about the Lunar New Year and my kids saw the book and was like is that for us that looks like a kid's book I'm like yes you can have it give me a second let me just take the picture and get the things and then you, and then they love to run and and read them and so when I get these children's books they're just they're super, it's super fun. And my kids get to benefit from all of it. So I appreciate you uh, sending me a copy and letting them uh, learn. Of course. I hope they enjoy it. Lots of fun things. To, and how old are your kids? Nine, seven, and five. Okay. 
perfect range for that. And also measuring up, I should send you a copy of that. I'll take it. My son, when you said graphic novel, he loves the graphic novels. Like he's very much into that type of book. And, uh, I encourage it because for me and kids reading, as long as it's appropriate, I think it doesn't matter how they're reading or what they're reading or what it looks like, as long as it's obviously appropriate. And because that's encouraging reading, getting them off the screen and it, it creates good habits. And so I really encourage it. So when you told me earlier that measuring up was a graphic novel, I was like, Theo would love that. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. I will definitely send you a copy and I'll sign it to your kids. Thank but you. But yeah, and definitely about the reading, because it's one of those skills that the more you do, right, the easier it gets, the more fluent you are at reading. So anything that is, as you said, appropriate, that gets them reading and excited about it is just wonderful. Absolutely. And thank you so much for providing that for your readers and for, for all to see. And so where can one pick up your books, especially the uh, Chloe's uh, Lunar New Year? Where can we find that? You can find them at your local indie bookstore. I always encourage readers to buy from there. And if you would like a personalized signed copy, you can contact Imprint Bookstore at hello at imprintbookstore.com. Oh, how nice. That's always fun when you get when you get books signed by the author. Um, do you ever go into bookstores and find the book and then sign it and then put it back? No, no. I, mean, ah! <laughs> I would never. <laughs> no, if I. <laughs> Someone sees you drawing in it, you're like, it's like, this is my book. Okay. You want to buy it? I just signed it. <laughs> No, I have gone into bookstores and introduced myself to the bookstore owner or manager and asked them if they would like me to sign it. And usually they love having signed books. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. I think it's super exciting. Um, and do you have any type of social media that you uh, maintain that we can follow you as well? I have an Instagram account, Lily Lamont writes, I believe. And I also have a newsletter. So I would love if people signed up for my newsletter through my website, lilylamott.com. Excellent. And all those links will be in the show notes so they can easily grab it. And um, thank you so much for being on this, on the podcast and sharing your stories and your books with us. And um, I hope you come back when you have your new one. Thanks so much for having me. It's been so fun talking to you. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to another episode. You can catch Lily and all of her, um, her works. All the links will be in the show notes. So please go and check it out. I encourage you to go and pick up the book. And uh, thank you again for listening to another episode. And we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.